It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 3814567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. Good evening and welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, August the 25th, 2016. My name's Greg Gwynn. We welcome you to the program tonight. As you notice, if you're watching on the video feed, I'm not in my normal chair. I'm sitting in Jacob's place, who's out of town tonight. Uh, in my chair is Monty Overton. Monty, welcome. Thank you, Greg. It's good to be here. Good to be with you. And Kyle Barnes is behind the board. Kyle, uh, let me see here. And i got to figure out which one of these is you. There we go, Kyle. Yeah. Everybody say that again. Yeah, it's good to be here. <laughs> okay. All right. So we're glad to have everybody with us. We We are always a little technically challenged when Jacob's not here to keep things organized for us, but we'll do our very best to get this program on the air. Um, a little bit of housekeeping before we get into our topic for discussion tonight. Monty, I think that we pretty well let go unnoticed the anniversary of the virtual Bible study back in July. Back in July, toward the, I guess it's toward the end of July or mid-late mid, July, uh, sometime in that time frame, we passed the 11-year mark of the virtual Bible study, so we've completed 11 years and are into our 12th year of the virtual Bible study. That's a that's really an accomplishment because we've kept it going all that time with maybe only one or two episodes missed due to things beyond our control. And yeah. so it's been a consistent, regular study, and it's been good and beneficial for yeah, all. Yeah, and and that means that there's now approaching 600 episodes. It's not 600 yet, but. If if you did 50 here, we did more than 50. 50 times 10 is 500. Add another 50, 550. We're past 550. We're approaching 600 episodes of the Virtual Bible Study. And the audio of all those is still available on the on the website. Uh, the audio archives are, are out there, and you can actually search them on our website, If you especially if you go to the WMA, Windows Media Audio, the WMA files, in the archives, have them all there, all the way back to the beginning. And you can do a simple word search on there, and very likely you could probably find a, a, an episode where we talked about whatever it is that you're researching or studying. So we think it serves as a as a pretty good uh, study resource. Mike. Well, I gave a guy a card for the virtual Bible study last night, somebody I'd met, and uh, I told him, I said, you know, we've had all the, we've been doing this over 11 years. And we've got all these episodes saved, and you can look these up. And if there's something you're wanting to study about, we've probably got an episode that covered it, and that can help you in your Bible study. I think so. I think it's I think it's a worthy a good uh, reference tool. A good good worthwhile reference tool. So if you can use it, please use it. We'd love to hear from you, even if you don't have a question or a comment about what we're currently discussing. You can always send us an email to questions at College View. We'd love to know that you're out there, that you're listening. Uh, just tell us, you know, I'm out here, I'm listening, I'm in, and tell me, tell us where you're listening from. We'd love to, to know how far out the Virtual Bible Study is getting. Uh, we know that we get uh, hits from countries all over the world, and so uh, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know where you're listening. Um, 
We always send out an update on Thursdays. We always talk about this because we love to get people, more and more people on our update list. If you're not getting our regular weekly updates, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Remember that College View spelled funny, C-O-L-L-E-G-E-V-U-E, collegeview.com. Just send one, uh, an email to questions at collegeview.com and just say, add me to your list. Just put that in the subject line if you want to, and you don't even have to put any text in the body of the message. Uh, we'll know what to do. We'll get you on our update list. And typically on Thursday, uh, shortly before noon, we send out an update indicating what our topic for discussion is going to be. If you get on that list, you'll also get another email from us usually on Tuesdays in which we send out a, an email version of our weekly church bulletin here at College View. Um, that's all we'll send you. We won't be a bother. And and you can always just click on them and delete them if you don't want to read the bulletins. If you don't have time for the update. But we hope that you will take time to, to be advised what we're talking about and maybe even set an alarm on your smartphone to alert you that, it's time for the virtual Bible study to start on Thursday evening, and I better get my computer on or my smartphone on and, and start listening. Um, I, I think that happens to a lot of people. You know, you, you get busy, and maybe it was even a topic that you were pretty interested in hearing, but you let it slide by, the time slide by. and You know, you can always pick it up in the archives, Monty. They're all out there, and you've been listening to a lot of the archives. Yeah, I listened to the podcast of it, and... The way my phone is set up, I don't know how that happens. But anyway, I think Kyle helped you set that up, didn't he? Him and Jacob did it. Yeah. So I blame it on them. But anyhow, <laughs> it started from the most recent one and working its way back. And I just completed through 2009 today, so I'll start in December of 2008 tomorrow. So wow. I'm, and you've heard, you've listened to all of them all the way back there? Yeah. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Uh, uh, anyway, all the archives. I think we had someone that had been listening to them. They yeah. told us a while back they'd listened to all of them. Yeah, a listener in Texas, uh, um, I think Jenna in Texas, uh, emailed that she had listened to them all, which is pretty impressive. But to me, it helps pass the time of the day at work. And there's one of the guys at work, his radio, he plays rather loud. And I don't know what station it's on, but it's got the filthiest talk I've ever heard on the radio, especially. There's nothing they don't say. So I put my earplugs in, listen to the virtual Bible study. I'm yeah. edified, and I don't have to hear that filth. There you go. All right. Well, to our update list earlier today, we, we indicated that we are planning to study about the topic of motivation, um, keeping ourselves motivated in the service of God, and especially talking about some of the things that can drag us down and keep us from being motivated. The questions we sent out earlier today were these. Number one, have you ever experienced a downtime in regards to your personal motivation in serving God? Number two, what do you think are the main reasons why Christians lose their motivation for serving God? And number three, what suggestions do you have to help people stay motivated? Pretty simple. It's not. This is not one of our controversial topics for discussion tonight. Usually we get a little more interaction when, when there's some controversy involved. This is not controversial, but I, I hope people would agree, Monty, that it's a crucial thing to stay motivated. Well, it's very important because if, if we can't stay motivated, then what that means is we can't keep serving God. And if we're not serving God the way he's established that we should, that means that we're lost and the consequences are severe for that. I think you're exactly right. I remember an old Peanuts uh, comic strip years ago in which uh, Charlie Brown and Linus were uh, leaning on the fence talking. And Charlie Brown said, uh, my dad started a new exercise program. Uh, he's running a mile every morning before he goes to work. Uh, and then in the next frame... Charlie Brown goes on to explain, well, there's been a few mornings when 
he couldn't do it because of one thing or another. And then in the last frame, Charlie Brown says, well, actually, he's only done it once. <laughs> you know, and unfortunately, that's what happens. You know, maybe it's a diet. Maybe it's an exercise program, whatever. I think it's real easy for, for us to get excited, get motivated, get enthusiastic about something at the start. But the problem with things is the follow through, making sure you finish, finish what you got started, staying motivated. That's what we're talking about. And that's also a problem when it comes to serving God. You know, lots of times people can get initially pretty excited. And we've, we've all had an experience in which we were maybe working with someone, teaching and encouraging them. And, and when they sort of saw, saw what it was all about, when they really got a sense of the importance of it, they got really excited and they were on fire for the Lord. But then it, it sort of fizzled out and, and that enthusiasm was gone. And, and so... Uh, we want to talk about the problem of losing that motivation. What can cause it? So let's talk. First of all, uh, I asked the question, have you ever experienced a downtime in regard to your personal motivation? The Lord, I got an email from Kent uh, down in Georgia, and Kent said most Christians have either outright experienced a downtime regarding personal motivation in their service to God, or else they have faced a serious temptation to give up when it comes to their work for God. Uh, so I think Kent's right. He said everybody has. You know, in fact, I would think that if there's anybody who says, "Oh no, I've I've stayed just at peak motivation. I have I have maintained my zeal and enthusiasm without any variance," I'd have a hard time believing that, wouldn't you, buddy? I would have to think that maybe their peak of motivation and enthusiasm wasn't a very tall peak, <laughs> because. You know, we, we, I think this motivation and like a lot of things in life goes in cycles. There's going to be times when we're up and times when we're down and we'll be back up, you know, in our efforts. But, you know, we need to work on keeping our peaks high and our, when we're in our valleys not so high from that. So we've got to maintain it. But, the, you know, for anybody to say that they've been at their peak all the time, I think I would just have to think their peak wasn't a very high lofty they're level. Not, or they're, very, or not very, they're not very perceptive or something yeah, for sure. They're not analyzing their. Uh, self-accurately uh kent went on to give a good example of the apostle paul in uh second corinthians chapter one verse eight second corinthians one verse eight paul says for we would not brethren have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in asia that we were pressed out of measure above strength insomuch that we despaired even of life uh sounds like paul was having a, a pretty rough time right there but then he goes on to point out that he did not give up. The verses continue. Second Corinthians 1, verse 9. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Ye also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Uh, and so he goes on to describe the fact that, you know, he believed that the Lord helped him get through that hard time, that the prayers of his faithful brethren helped him get through that time. And and so I want to tell you something. If the Apostle Paul could feel that threatened, that down, that discouraged, I, we, have, we, don't have, we don't have any reason to think that that wouldn't happen to us. You know, I was looking for a place in the book of Acts here, and I can't find it real quickly and easily. But he's talking about Paul and his journeys, and it talked how the Spirit came to him at one place and told him, you need to stay here for a while. Everything's going to be all right. There's nobody going to try to kill you here. But if you look previous to that, Paul had been 
drug out of town. He'd been stoned. He'd been beaten. He'd been through all sorts of misery. And so I just have to believe at that point the reason the Spirit had to come talk to him is he was getting pretty down and out depressed over this thing. He was doing his best and suffering a lot of grief for it, and he needed some encouragement. Yeah, I think you're thinking maybe of Acts 18, verse 9. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. He's in Corinth is where he's at. Uh, the Lord said, be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace for I am with thee and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee for I have much people in this city. Yeah. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so again, if the apostle Paul could get down and discouraged, uh, I, I would think that anybody could. And so we need to understand that that's, that's a reality. Now, if that is the case, then what would be some of the things that would maybe contribute to me some of these things i think if if we understand the root causes then we can maybe also understand how to avoid them i i think one of the things that may get people really excited at the start when they think about salvation forgiveness of sins hope of going to heaven all the good things that come to us by virtue of our salvation in christ jesus maybe the thing that causes some people to kind of slow down and back off is that they they got excited about it all, but they weren't really understanding the uh, level of commitment that the Lord requires. They weren't understanding everything that the Lord really expects of us. You know, I think that's, that's true because a lot of times I think people, uh, they receive salvation, they become Christians, and they're all excited and fired up like he's talking about. But I don't think they've really counted the cost. I don't think they really were. I think they've kind of got the idea, okay, I'm a Christian now, and everything's going to be easy and come up smelling roses from now on out. Well, then they run into some difficult times and they become discouraged and they lose their motivation because they didn't have a a realistic expectation on what life was going to bring them and especially what the Christian life was going to bring them. You know, uh, in in the parable of the sower and the seed, uh, one of the the seeds that was sown that sprouted but did not bring forth fruit, Jesus described in Matthew chapter 13, verse 20, He says, he that received the seed into the stony places, the same as he that heareth the word and anon with joy receiveth it, yet hath he not root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended. Well, I didn't know, you know, the the picture Jesus is describing there is that here's this guy. I didn't know that it meant that people might start persecuting me. I I didn't know that people might start, that I might be paying a, a real price, you know, uh, maybe people take, you know, trying to hurt me. Maybe people throw me in jail. Maybe people uh, costing me my job, uh, you, you know. And those were some of the realities of the of life for those early Christians. And Jesus is, is describing a person there who initially received the word excitedly, but when he began to be persecuted or realized the price that was going to be required to remain faithful to the Lord, he said, oh, well, I didn't know about that. I'm out of here. Either that or these things in their life that as they mature as a Christian and they learn that are wrong, they have to give them up. Well, I didn't really want to give that up. You know, this, that's important to me. So they haven't had a realistic expectation of what it was going to mean and what they were going to have to give up to be a Christian. Yeah. Uh, the level that the Lord requires, Luke fourteen thirty three. whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. That's that's complete ultimate commitment and that's what the lord requires in other words if if you've got anything that you're not willing to give up for him then you're not at the level he's he's requiring or expecting from you and so we need that total commitment uh we talked about paul 
Uh, here's an example of the kind of commitment he had. Philippians 3.13, I count not myself to have apprehended notice, but he says in verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. After all that Paul had done and everything that he suffered, he still understood. He wasn't done yet, and there's still more to do. You know, as long as there's breath in our bodies, we've got work to do for the Lord. Uh, there may be a time when we can't do maybe as much as we used to, but there'll be, if we'll look, that we'll find something to do to serve God. And that's our obligation is to, to be doing that. And that means we, from time to time, we've got to give up doing things that we enjoy doing in order to do what's required by God for us to do. You know, and I, and I think here maybe we ought to be cautioned that we're not doing people any favor if we don't help them count the cost yeah. of being a disciple. You know, I've known of instances where people really tried to downplay, oh, you can be a Christian. See, in fact, you you wouldn't have to change hardly anything about the about your life. You're 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 good already. You just need to be baptized. And if you were just to be baptized, everything and and they really actually downplay mm-hmm. the idea of counting the cost. We ought to tell people it's it's a hard it's a hard road. And and nobody ever suggested otherwise that knew what they were talking about. Yeah. Was being honest, nobody ever suggested otherwise. And and you got to count the cost. You know, we're just realistically, if we tell, present it to somebody like that, we're not being at all honest with them. You yeah. know, we have an obligation to them to, to, as you said, to help them understand what the cost is. And okay, you you realize you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to give up that. Uh, and people are, you're going, it's going to cost you friends. It may cost you family members. Exactly. You, you need to know that up front. I think it's interesting because when God, God sent, the Spirit sent Ananias to go to see Saul when he'd been seen the vision on the road. And he told him, when he told Ananias, he says, he's a chosen vessel of mine, and I'm going to show him what things he's going to have to suffer for my name's sake. So Paul, when, as we talked about all the things he went to, he didn't go into this unaware. He knew up front what it was going to cost him. God had already shown him that he was going to do a lot of suffering for him. And Paul said, I don't care. I want to serve God. And so we I have thought, to understand that. Yeah, I thought you were going to talk about Ananias himself. When the Lord told Ananias, I want you to go see Saul of Tarsus, Ananias sort of said, uh, I'm not too sure about this. Did you... Make sure I understand what you're telling me. <laughs> but he went. Yeah. He went. Those people were amazing. Those early Christians, all of them, mm-hmm. uh, that paid that price were really doing an amazing thing. Um Get in the chat room, guest 1793 says, fishers of men must always keep an even keel. Mike J. says, um, in 1 Kings 19, even after God led him to a great victory over Jezebel and the prophets of Baal, Elijah became distraught and thought he was alone in all of this. Yet God reminds him that there are 7,000 other prophets uh, who have not bowed their knee to Baal either. When we do go through tough times, we need to remember there are others going through similar times as well. And I think that's true. And, I, and that, that is a consolation. Doesn't mean it necessarily makes it easy, but it still is a consolation to know that you're not alone and you're not the only one who's, who's suffering those things. But you, you need to know that there is that price to pay for being a disciple of the Lord. You've got to count the cost. We're going to grab a quick, a quick break. Uh, we'll be back after this to continue talking about some of the things that cause people to lose their excitement, their zeal, their motivation for serving the Lord. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this break. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. I'm Dan Quillen, a member of the College U Church of Christ, with some thoughts about making plans. Have you made any definite plans for your spiritual life and for your service for God? We spend time prioritizing personal lives and setting goals in our careers, but do we think in those terms about the most important thing, our soul? Ask yourself these questions. What am I planning to do for God today? In the coming week, what good thoughts will I accomplish for Him? 
at this time next year, where do I want to be in my spiritual life? In five years from now, how will I have changed, improved, and grown in my work for God? Ten years from today, how will my family be? How will I have helped them grow spiritually? Twenty years down the road, how will I be doing? As I approach death, what will have been the most important things in my life? Where will I be in eternity? Here's some quotes worth pondering. When the load feels heavy, it's a sign that you're climbing. One minute of keeping your mouth shut is worth an hour's explanation. The scriptures teach us the best way of living, the noblest way of suffering, and the most comfortable way of dying. God doesn't ask you to be the best, just to do your best. Man, wish I'd said that. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And we're back on the virtual Bible study. We're continuing our discussion about motivation, how to stay motivated, what are some of the things that cause us to lose our motivation for serving the Lord. We're going to go through several of these things. I got some good input. I got uh, an email from Jeff, one from Kent, in which they offer some other suggestions besides the one on my list. Let me run through my list real quick, and we'll get to their list. Money I had on my list of things that cause us to lose motivation Maybe we aren't really convinced of the consequence if we lose our motivation. In other words, maybe we're not really totally sold on the idea that God's going to punish those who don't continue to serve him faithfully. Yeah, God's a loving God. I'm not sure. It probably probably wouldn't happen. You know, I, I just can't believe uh, that it could happen to me. I know all those verses about hell and judgment and all that, but... I, I, I just don't really think that, that 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 would ever happen to me. In fact, I don't ever really think seriously about going to hell for neglecting my duties uh, as a Christian. You know, I promised to do some things, and I'm not really I'm not really following through. But I'm not too worried about that. I just uh, the whole idea of judgment and punishment. I'm 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 not too concerned about that. You know, I think probably that idea kind of stems back to our growing up as children. When our parents said, if you do that again, I'm going to whip you. And then I know as, as I know when I was a child, they'd tell me that over something or another. And I'd wind up doing it again. And they'd, if you do that again, I'm going to whip you. And I'd think, huh, I got away with it, didn't yeah, I? Yeah. And then the next time, and it goes on and on to finally I thought, well, I can do this all I want. They're not going to whip me over this. Yeah. And eventually they might, but I done got away with it a lot. So it seemed like the price was worth it. Well, God has told us if we do certain things, he's going to punish us. And, he's not, and God's not like my parents. Yeah. Right. He, if he tells me he's going to, I mean, we look at him throughout the whole Bible from the beginning to the end. When he's told people he's going to punish them, he's done it. Now, he's been really patient and given us lots of, historically, lots of room for repentance. But he's going to do what he said he's going to do. And so we need to understand that. God's not like my parents. He's He's going to give me plenty of chances to do right. But when it comes down to it, he will punish me for it. That's right. Romans eleven twenty two. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee, but toward thee, goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shall be cut off. And what the what Paul is saying there in Romans eleven twenty two is don't forget, we got a history here of mm-hmm. God and we know how he dealt with people and he blessed it. when people served him faithfully, he blessed them abundantly. But when they neglected to do their job. He punished them severely. And I think that's just an expression we need to all remember. Behold the goodness and severity of God. You know, people want to focus so much on God, and he's a loving God, and and those kinds of things that they forget 
that he's also a serious God and he's going to punish us for yeah. what he's just like he said he would. And I think I think we we can be motivated in two ways. One way is we can be motivated by talking about the tremendous love that God mm-hmm. has for us because he does he, he, overwhelming love. And that's a that should be a motivator. But the Bible also uses the fear motivation. Be afraid of what he will do if you don't serve him faithfully. And and I think we need multiple avenues of motivation. Well, here. if we didn't need it, God wouldn't have motivated us in all these different ways. He's provided motivation in every conceivable way that that we need in order to motivate us to serve him faithfully. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Uh, Hebrews 10:31. simply, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You know, there's another place the scriptures talks about not to worry about the, what man can do to you because all they can do is kill the body, but we should fear God who can destroy both body and soul in hell. And that's the, to me, that's the scary, the scariest thing about the uh, punishment from God is it's eternal. Exactly. You know, as men, we think I'm a big tough guy. I can, I can overcome whatever. I just, and I just if I knew there was going to, yeah, if, if I knew there was going to be an end to hell, you know, even if it was a thousand years or a million years, they still that speck of light at the end of the tunnel, and I can say, okay, I can go ahead and do what I want here on earth, and hell's only going to be for this limited amount of time, and I can tough it out that long. It'll be okay, and it, it's going to be rough, but I can do it because I'm a man. Yeah. Well, there's not going to be any end to it. And I can't tough it out. I'm going to have to but if I went there because there's not going to be a relief for it. It's going to be forever. And that's the part that scares me is that it's not like punishment when your parents gave you a whipping. It hurt for a while, but by the next day, mostly the soreness was gone and you was on your way again. Well, this isn't going to be a next day. It's better thing. This is next day is going to be just as bad as today and just as bad as yesterday. And it's going to be that way forever. Exactly right. No, no light at the end of the tunnel. Absolutely not. Uh, so. Maybe part of what causes people to lose motivation is that they're not really they're not really seriously believing the idea of punishment or failure. Got to keep that in mind. Another thing I've got on my list, Monty, is it may very well be, and I think probably certainly is a case that I lose my when I lose my motivation. There's something lacking in my love for God. You know. Uh, that's true of interpersonal relations. You know, if, if a husband's neglecting his wife, if, if if the husband is not doing what he promised he would do when he married his wife, you know, they've been married a few years now, mm-hmm. and now he's letting down, and he's not keeping his promises. He's not doing what he said he was going to do when, on that day he married her. What's the problem? Well, he doesn't love her he like he ought to. He doesn't love her enough, right? Uh, he, something's changed. He doesn't love her like he said he did. Uh, maybe he, Maybe he never did. But certainly now he's not loving her at the level that he needs to to be a proper husband to her. Well, I think the same thing's true about God. If if I'm not staying faithfully motivated to do his will, then there's something wrong with my love. Maybe I never had the measure of love that I needed or I've let my love grow cold for the Lord. But I need to get that. I, I need to rekindle my love for the Lord so that I stay motivated to do his will. You know, in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 27, in that, in that passage, it says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind. It's saying that we've got to love God with everything they are. This is talking about every aspect of our being here, that we're supposed to love God. The Bible tells us we're supposed to put Jesus first. So if we love God and we're putting Jesus first, that means everything else is second or third or somewhere else down the list. But God has to come first. And so if we're not putting God first and serving God faithfully, if, we're, if that's not what is first and foremost in our mind all the time, 
then we're not loving the Lord our God just like it said to do here. We we don't have an adequate love, and we need to repent of that and and to love. And it's interesting to me. This love here is talking about it's not this gooey emotional feeling, you know, puppy love kind of thing that we think about. Because if it can be commanded, those those emotional things can't be commanded. Right. So this has to do with an attitude because ultimately in our life there's only two things we can control, and that's our actions and our attitude. And our attitude is in a great way going to determine what our actions are. And so this is talking about an attitude we're supposed to have toward God, that he's first in everything. Exactly right. If we don't have that attitude, we're not going to stay motivated. Um Let's grab one more. I got, I got a couple more things on my list, and then I want to get to some suggestions from Jeff and from Kent. Uh, probably, almost certainly, if I'm not staying motivated, then I haven't got my priorities sorted out the way they need to be. You know, uh, I'm, I'm real motivated about breathing. I'm real motivated about eating and having water, you know, because my life depends on those things, you know. Mm-hmm. If if you didn't have air, if if you were in a if you were in a a, sub, a sunken submarine and you're running out of air, there wouldn't be anything else on your mind. I, I gotta I gotta get out of here. I gotta get to the surface. Of the we water. gotta get this thing floating. This has got to be resolved because yeah. I'm gonna die here, you know. So, you know, the idea of the the Ultimately, most important things, nothing else, if, if you were in that circumstance, nothing else would matter. And and the Lord is really asking us to put him in that circumstance, mm-hmm. to put our love for him in that circumstance. Nothing else matters more than this. This is the one and only most important thing in my life. Now, other things will take their place behind that, but I got to have loving God and doing his will as my top priority. I, he, he won't accept anything less than that. Uh, uh in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus spoke to the rich young ruler. Uh, and, you know, that rich young ruler had the right question. What may, what should I do that I may have eternal life? Uh, Jesus said, if thou will enter into life, keep the commandments. He said, these things I have kept from my youth up. Jesus said, one thing thou lackest. If thou will be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Here's a guy, he could do a lot of the right things, but his priorities weren't right. His priorities were still, his highest priority was his money and his wealth. Yeah. He could still do some other things right, but when push came to shove, when the real test of his priorities was put before him, he couldn't He couldn't make the call. And I think that's the test for us. You know, our priorities are really exposed when we have a conflict of things that, of two things that we really want. Mm-hmm. This guy's conflict was he wanted eternal life. He wanted to serve God faithfully, but he had the conflict of his wealth. And and when those two things collided, the 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 one that won was his wealth, and his top priority wasn't God. Same thing's true of us. Whatever it is that causes us to cave in on God's on our commitment to God in order to pursue this other priority, that's our top priority. You know, a lot of times we put lots of things ahead of God when we think of worship and people missing worship. And a lot of times they say, well, I had to work. Okay, let's look at this another way then. How much money will I have to give you not to come to church Sunday? Oh, no, you couldn't give me enough. Well, somebody giving you enough. You you said you had to work instead of worshiping. And when we get down to it and break it down into that simple of an idea is somebody's paying me enough money, I won't come to worship. Or maybe it's 
I love fishing too much to come to worship. We won't admit it. Oh, no, God's more important than fishing. But come on, I took buddy, We're talking about fishing now. I know. And, and or, we're talking about that double overtime on Sunday. Well, you know, I used to know a guy where I grew up at, and he worked for the Ford Glass plant up in Nashville. And he would miss work, I mean, miss church on Sunday because he said he had to work. Well, what it was, that the way their contract was written, if you had worked the five days previous to Sunday, they couldn't make you come in. So he would lay out one of those days where he had to come in because he got triple time on Sunday. <laughs> so, yeah, technically he had to come in, but it was his own fault he had to come in. He had to come in because he planned because, it that Because way. he planned it that way. Yeah. So, But he forced that issue. So what he was really saying was, Making money is far and away more important to me than worshiping God. Yeah. If you'd be honest about it, that's what you're saying. Or having fun or whatever whatever it was we was doing instead of serving God, we've said, just Stop give me that, that and I'll forget about we God. Got, we got to get our priorities straight. And, and if you don't have – and really, when people begin to, <clears throat> to slack off and lose their motivation, it's typically an indicator that they never had these priorities in the right place to start with. It, it goes back – Pretty much that same idea we were talking about earlier about counting the cost. Mm -hmm. I got one more thing on my list, and that is some people lose their motivation because they're just downright lazy. And I'm sad to say, but I think I've known plenty of cases through the years of Christians who were just lazy in their spiritual service to God. They just would not do it they just they didn't want to put forth the effort they talk a good game but then when it comes time to show up for the game they don't show up yeah being a faithful sir uh, being a faithful christian requires effort work serving and some are just unfortunately too lazy to do that in the in the parable of talents money in matthew 25 beginning verse 26 uh to the one talent man who who just hid his talent didn't mm -hmm. work with it in the lord's service when his Lord called him, he answered him and said, the Lord said to him, thou wicked and slothful servant. We would say, you lazy. wicked and lazy servant. Uh, and then he, he, he said, cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, we need to we need to realize sometimes we lose our motivation because we're just too lazy to put forth the effort to do otherwise. You know, that's what the Lord, this Lord was telling this guy because he told him, you know, you maybe didn't have the, the same amount of ability as the five, ten talent man or the five talent man, but you could at least put the money in the bank and I'd have got some interest out of it and you're too lazy to even do that. So the, the, the principle is the same for us. I may not have as much talent or ability in working in the kingdom as some other person have, but I do have something. I can do something, so I need to see what that is and get to doing it. I don't need just that. You can back. be just as energetic as the other guy. You may not have the same talent as the other guy, but you can be just as energetic yeah. as he is. I can do what I can do, yeah. and I need to find that and get to doing it rather than saying, well, you know, I'm not as good as this fellow is, and I can't do anything. All right, let's grab a break. When we come back from this break, we're going to look at some suggestions from others about things that cause people to lose their motivation. We want to hear from you. Give us a call, 877-381-4567. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Get in the chat room. There's a little talk going on in the chat room, but we could take more. Give us your suggestions in the chat room. We'll be right back after this break on the Virtual Bible Study. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The Virtual Bible Study continues after this announcement. This is Greg Gwen with this week's Bullet Point. Occasionally we hear parents who say that they don't want to force religion on their children. These misguided folks think that they're doing their kids a favor by letting them decide for themselves. 
They're afraid that there will be some resentment in the children later if religion has been, quote, crammed down their throats, unquote. If we may be absolutely blunt in response, that is one of the most ridiculous ideas anyone ever suggested. We force many things on our children. We insist that they bathe, brush their teeth, change their clothes, and so forth. We cram education down their throats by making them attend school regularly. We demand that they do their homework. We force them to eat good food, get adequate rest, and do other things that are important to their health and development. We do all of this because we know it is in their best interest, and we do it even when the kids don't like it. Why is it that this common-sense approach is neglected by parents who are determined to, quote, let the kids decide for themselves, unquote, when it comes to religion? Dr. James Dobson writes, There's a critical period when certain kinds of instruction are easier in the life of children. There's a brief period during childhood when youngsters are vulnerable to religious training. Their concepts of right and wrong are formulated during this time, and their view of God begins to solidify. The opportunity of that period must be seized when it is available. The absence or misapplication of instruction through that prime time period may place a severe limitation on the depth of the child's later devotion to God. When parents withhold indoctrination from their small children, allowing them to, quote, decide for themselves, unquote, the adults are almost guaranteeing that their youngsters will decide in the negative. God's Word has always taught us the truth on this subject. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child on the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm Kate. I'm four. This is the Virtual Bible Study. Missed a recent Virtual Bible Study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the Virtual Bible Study. And we're back on the Virtual Bible Study. We thank you for being with us tonight as we study together from God's Word. Reminder that this program is brought to you each week on Thursday night by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Uh, you can find out more about us by looking at our website, collegeview.com. Uh, and if you have questions, you can always contact us by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you're anywhere close to us in the Middle Tennessee area, we'd love for you to come and visit with us. Uh, if you look at our website, you'll find the time, normal, t- the regular times of our uh, Bible studies and worship assemblies. Uh, please come if you are in our area, if you happen to be passing through. Uh, plan your trip so you can stop and visit with us at the College View Church of Christ. We'd love to see you. We're talking about staying motivated in our service to the Lord. We had some good subject, su- suggestions. Uh, I got this email from Kent. I want to just walk through his ideas, uh, Monty. Um, things that can cause people to lose their motivation. One, growing weary in our battle with the world. I think that's probably true. You know, when we put forth physical effort, you know, I could start, I could tear into a job with lots of energy, but if, if I have to keep, if, if it's really hard work, after a while, my energy level, and it seems like it happens quicker and quicker yeah. these days, but my energy level plays out, I get tired. And there's still a pile of work there. And maybe I'm cutting or splitting firewood. And there's still a pile there that I hadn't got to yet. And, and I've, I've, I've just grown weary. Physically, that happens. And what Ken is suggesting is sometimes that happens spiritually. We've just been, we've just been pushing the ball up the hill so long, we're just getting tired. Well, it, it does do that because it's emotionally exhausting when we, as we're doing these spiritual warfare. And we're working with people and trying to get results. And maybe they're not... The results aren't coming that we think should come, and we just kind of get wore out with it, and we have to be refreshed from time to time. You know, Paul said in Galatians 6, verse 9, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. 
when he said that, don't grow weary in well-doing, what he implied was it's certainly possible yes. to do so. And what, he's, what he encouraged there was keep your eye on the goal. We mm-hmm. shall reap in due season. We shall reap if we faint not. You know, when Peter was walking on the water, the reason he started to sink is because he took his eye off the goal. He lost his focus on Jesus. And that's going to cause us to lose our motivation when we start looking at the results or the lack of it. We don't need to concern ourselves with that because the Bible teaches us that we're to teach the word and God's going to give the increase. The results are up to God. That, that's not my problem. My problem is to teach the word. And that's all I need to concern myself with and keep my eye on that goal because in doing that, I'll grow as a Christian and I'll be able to be, have that, that gift of heaven. Kyle, I haven't been looking in your direction. You've got something to say. Throw your hand way up in the air so I see you over there hiding behind those screens. Uh, number two, Kent says, some lose their motivation because they grow weary with false teaching and unscriptural fellowship concerns within the church. You know, when when we, we would like to think that everybody who studies the scriptures and, and claims a love for God and his word, that they would all submit to the truth, agree upon the truth, follow the truth. But I tell you, we do run constantly into people who are perverting the truth, even among some who identify as as faithful Christian and our own brethren. We find people who just will not accept the truth on certain and are willing to cause trouble over it if if it comes if it comes to that. Yeah. They they've got it. It's it's my way or the highway. It's going to be my way or bust, you know. If I can't have it the way I want it, then I'm going to bust this thing wide open, yeah. tear it up, because it's going to be my way. And we've we've had instances, all of us probably could cite instances with, with people that we uh, really thought we, we had a close relationship with and we were working together in the kingdom. And all of a sudden they took off on a wild hair about some specific doctrinal thing and and literally refused to accept the truth when it's black and white on the page in front of them. They just would not accept they're going to go their way. You know, and I think that caused us to lose our motivation because maybe we had a real high opinion of this person. We thought they were a spiritual giant, so to speak. And we, I think the problem was we put too much faith and confidence in a person rather than having it in God. But then when that person does fall away, it's like we're just devastated about it. We don't know what to do. Well, we need to get our mind. I mean, we we can respect a lot of people for their stand for in, in spiritual matters, but ultimately... We need to be respecting God, and that's where our goal and our focus needs to be. Because yeah, if you put your trust in me, I promise somehow I'm going to let you yeah, down. That's that's it. And we and if we got our trust in men rather than in God, it is a devastating thing. What Kent suggested there is a devastating thing. When we got brethren who take off mm-hmm. on false tangents, it is a devastating thing. Uh, but we just have to remember that our commitment is not to them; it's to the that's Lord. That's right. Uh, Paul had we, we've used Paul several times tonight. Paul had that sort of thing happen in his life. In Second Timothy chapter four, verse ten, he mentions one fellow in particular, Demoth hath forsaken me, having loved the present world, and is departed to Thessalonica. You know, that had to hurt. Man, that hurt. That hurt. But he had to keep on. Mm-hmm. Uh closely associated with that, Kent says, uh personal conflicts with fellow Christians. Sometimes it's just a matter of pers- personalities, you know. Me and this guy, we just don't get along. You know, and he he's constantly at me and I'm constantly at him. And and it, it, it's just it's just a discouraging kind of thing because uh, he's always picking at me, trying to cause, you know, I just I just kind of give up. Yeah. Uh, 
So personal conflicts. You know, there's not room for our, for our egos in this thing. We need to put those things aside and and I got it, I got it. let God be the one in charge and, and let God's will be first and not mine. Yeah. Got a call coming in and it's actually from Jacob. If I can if I can get wait, hang on a minute, Jacob. I get you. Yeah, can you hear me? Wait a minute. Uh, the answer machine got him. Oh, the answer machine got him. Call back, Jacob. Call back. We'll try to get you on the. We'll try to get you on the phone. Let's see here. Where am I? I think I had the right one on there. But we'll try. Call back, Jacob. If you if you're hearing. Well, you're way back. past my pay grade on that. So I can't <laughs> no, hear yeah, you. Obviously, I'm a past my own too. But I. Uh, we'll try to get him if he'll if he'll ring back in. Uh, so personal conflicts with Christians uh, can't have in mind. Uh, not keeping our spiritual priorities straight in life. We talked about mm-hmm. that already. We need to remember the words of Jesus. And he references Matthew 6, Sermon on the Mount, beginning in verse 24, down through especially verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. You know, as we think about those personal conflicts for a minute, though, a thought come to me. How could I possibly expect that I would want to spend forever in heaven with somebody if I can't learn to get along with them in this short life here on earth? So yeah. I need I need to get my priorities in order. And find ways. If, if I'm having conflicts with somebody, I need to find a way to settle those conflicts, even if it means coming up and say, hey, I'm sorry, I was in the wrong, and submitting to them when I don't, don't even like it. But I need to fix these conflicts because otherwise we're not going to heaven. Exactly right. It's that important. It's that important. Exactly right. All right. Good good thoughts from Kent. I got some suggestions here from Jeff in an email. Uh, he says people lose their motivation for the same reason they might any other thing. They get frustrated at life. Well, so frustration sets in. Maybe, maybe, for instance, I was really excited about trying to convert people to Christ. And I initially, I tried real hard, but seemed like nobody wanted to hear what I had to say. And even people that I thought were good friends of mine, you know, they, they just really turned away from me and they wouldn't listen to what I had to say. And I, I've just gotten frustrated with trying to get this message out and I've kind of lost my zeal for it. You can imagine that happening. Yeah. I think it does happen to people. Well, you know, Jesus ran into that same problem. He spent his time here on this earth trying to teach people, his countrymen, people that he was interested in. He wanted to save them, and they weren't interested in what he had to say, and that had to be frustrating for him too. But he also told us if they treated the master that way, don't be surprised when the servant gets the same treatment. So if if I'm trying to teach my family and friends and people I care about and they won't listen I'm, that just puts me in good company. I'm in the company of Jesus and Peter and Paul and all these other first century Christians that we see that were persecuted faithful, and executed. Faithful Old Testament prophets. Yeah. All these faithful people that we read about in the Bible, I'm in the same company as them. I'm getting the same treatment they got. I need to count it as a blessing. All right, good. We're going to grab a, our last break. We've got a few more suggestions here from Jeff, and then we want to talk quickly about some of the things. We've all really already been talking about but We want to talk some more about some things we can do to keep from losing our motivation. We'll be right back after the break. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. I'm Trent Haynes, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a reminder about the update mailing list for the virtual Bible study. Every Thursday shortly after noon, an email message is sent out with information about the topic for discussion on that evening's program. You're invited to start sending feedback and comments that are then included during the broadcast. If you'd like to be added to our update list, just send a message to questions at collegeview.com and put add me to the list in the subject line. That's all there is to it. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. 
An estimated 2 billion people live in the world's poorest urban areas, 1.3 billion of them in slums. The world has 410 cities with more than a million inhabitants each and over 4,000 cities with at least 100,000 residents. That information is via Religion Today. The Word of God says in Matthew 28, beginning verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the Virtual Bible Study. We're going to the top of the hour talking about keeping motivated in our service to God. Some of the things that can cause us to lose our motivation for serving God. Obviously, we want to know about that and avoid those things. I think we've reestablished our phone connection with Jacob. Jacob, can you hear me? No. Well, now, what am I doing wrong here? Uh, Let me try Jacob, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. There there you are. Now I got you. Good. Uh, I don't know how to work this board here, obviously. Right. Well, you sound good on this end. Um, And and I've been missing some of the discussion, but I think uh, you've been talking about some sort of uh, dramatic things that can cause us to lose our motivation. But maybe more often than not, uh, we lose our motivation just gradually. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 talks about us uh, not being diligent and letting things slip. If we don't constantly evaluate ourselves and our motivation, oh, I, th- uh, I think just being negligent can cause uh, some of that motivation to slip. Oh, I think you're making a real good point there. In other words, it doesn't have to be some catastrophic or uh, very... Uh, uh, significant one-time thing. It can be. It can be something that I just don't pay attention. Don't, don't mind my my business, and I just let things kind of slide. And then before I know it, it, I've just drifted away from where I need to be. Right. We got to constantly be evaluating ourselves. So. Very, very good. Just want to make that comment. Let you know I'm listening. Sounds good. All right. All right. I, I think you're on the road tonight. Be safe. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye. You know, Greg, it's kind of like that. We understand. Error doesn't just jump into a church. You know, a church doesn't start out being a strong, faithful congregation. And the next thing you know, they've, they don't just immediately wake up one day and say, Hey, I think we're going to, we're going to bring an instrument of music in. And I think we're going to change this part of our worship and that part of worship. We're going to incorporate these other things that we don't have authority for. No, that doesn't happen like that. It slips in gradually. And and eventually they went from being a strong, faithful congregation to something that's different from what we read about in the scriptures. And so our motivation can slip that same way. It's not that we just wake up one day and say, you know, I just think I'm not going to be motivated to serve God anymore. No, it kind of gradually comes in on us, and we don't realize it's got that way. It's kind of like when I started gaining weight. I didn't realize I was getting big until I got out into the shower one day and seen me in the mirror, and here was this fat guy standing in my bathroom. I started to hit him, and I realized it was me. It come on me gradually, and I didn't know it happened. Well, error slips in on us, and we lose our motivation the same way. Yeah, the text that Jacob was mentioning is Hebrews 2, verse 1. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we let them we should let them slip. Yeah. They can slip away just without really noticing it can slip away. Back to Jeff's email real quick. He says uh, people can lose their motivation because something happened, maybe an altercation with other brethren that makes them not want to be around whatever the incident was about or how it occurred. In other words, a bad experience, maybe a bad experience with other Christians. I'm sad to say that does happen. You know, we'd like to think it doesn't happen, but sometimes that happens. That's 
another reason why we need to be very careful to maintain right relationships with one another in the body That's of right. Christ. Uh, he says some people have mental health problems like actual depression that make it difficult to be motivated um, and can lose interest very easily. Well, Jeff, I think you're right. I mean, I think there is such thing as, as clinical depression. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, I think we need to be realistic about that. Uh, and if that is the case, if that is the, the, the real diagnosis of, uh, of our situation, then we need, we need to get help with that. Well, you know, that comes into where James is talking about confessing our faults one to, to another and effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I need to be open and honest with my brethren here at the church. And if I have issues like that, I need to find somebody in the church that I can talk to and say, hey, here's what's going on in my life. I need help in this area. I'm depressed or struggling. Whatever our weakness is, this is my problem, and I need you to help me to overcome that. Rather than trying, quite often we got this idea, we don't want nobody else to realize that we're less than perfect and we've got everybody else fooled, but ultimately we're the only ones that's fooled because everybody else knows I'm not perfect. And so I need to accept that, and I need to find somebody I can be accountable to in that, and they can help me to overcome these times when my motivation is slipping. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. But, again, it takes being realistic. Be realistic and honest. Yeah. And then, finally, Jeff says uh, some are just tired at, at a given time. They become unmotivated because they're tired. We talked about yeah. that already. It is it's easy. Just get tired. There's there's a lot of effort required. All right, real quickly, before we run out of time, uh, uh, guest 1793 says one degree at a time. I think we got to, yeah, we got to keep on keeping on. One step, one degree at a time, I would agree. What are some things that we can do to keep all of this from happening? Well, first of all, Monty, I would say in regards to what we've already discussed, knowing what can cause this then is a step in keeping it from happening to us. That's right. You know, you know if we don't know what the danger – we have road signs that show sharp curve ahead. There was some place I was going the other day that had a really sharp 90-degree turn coming up, and there was a sign there to warn us that we need to slow down some because this road danger is ahead. Or we'll see signs that says road construction ahead or road hazard or bridge wash, all sorts of signs to warn us about dangers. So if we, we need to know what our dangers are, what things – can cause us to lose our motivation so that we can avoid them. If I know there's a hole in the road up there, I can go around it. I don't have to drive off in it. Exactly right. All right. Uh, here, here's some. Uh, I'm just going to go with. I'm just going to let Jeff and and Kent guide us uh, on this idea. I'm just going to read what they said. Kent, first of all, he says several things that we can and must do: diligently study the scriptures, because the scriptures are going to tell us how to deal That's with right. this. Second Timothy two fifteen. Develop a greater appreciation for the grace of God, Second Corinthians 6, verse 1 through 10. God's grace, in other words, he'll bless me in ways that I don't even deserve to be blessed. God's grace can help with all of such issues. Well, when we properly understand the sacrifice that was made to save us, the high cost that was paid for my salvation, then if I learn to properly appreciate that, then I'm going to want to do all I can to serve God. Right. Uh, remind ourselves that we as faithful Christians partake of the sufferings of Christ. The Lord said that. First mm-hmm. Peter 4, verse 11, beginning that we are partakers of his suffering. Remember that we are not alone in facing discouragement. Other Christians have faithfully fought the same battles as we have and remained faithful. He references First Thessalonians 1, verses 2 through 10. We, we talked about that some with Paul and others. Mm-hmm. And then he says, remember the implications of the salvation in Christ. First Peter 1, verses 3 through 10. Uh, and remember the reality of finally coming, the final coming of Christ and judgment, Philippians 
three verses twenty and twenty one. Really good. I think you're right on the target there, Kent, with all of that. Uh certainly would be helpful in in keeping ourselves from falling into these sort of depressed situations where we lack the motivation to keep on doing the will of God in our lives. We've got to stay motivated, knowing the danger is real, knowing some of the things that can cause it, but then also some of the things, as Kent has suggested, that are positive steps we can take to stay motivated. Um, Jeff says, remember that things happen and don't worry about it or dwell on it. You know, the scriptures talk about bitterness, Monty. Yeah. And I, I, I think sometimes as Christians, we allow ourselves to grow bitter. What happened shouldn't have happened. What that guy did to me, he shouldn't have done to me. And I just dwelling on it and it just, it's just eating me up. And I, and I, I've, I've, I've sort of just sitting here spinning my wheels. I've grown cold. I'm not working hard because I'm all consumed with what, with this either real or imagined thing that I think this guy did to me. As just as I should not worry about it. I shouldn't dwell on it. I should move on. You know, Paul talked about one of the people that had persecuted him, and I can't remember which one right now, but he said, may the Lord reward him according to his works. And the Bible tells us that vengeance belongs to God and he'll repay. So what I need to understand is when somebody has genuinely mistreated me, persecuted me, or however they've treated me wrong, it's not my place to get even with them. God said he's going to take care of that. And if I realize that, and ultimately... We talked about God being able to destroy both body and soul and hell. He can do more to him than I can ever imagine to do. And he said he will take care of it. And so that's somebody else's job. It's kind of like the results when we teach people. If people aren't responding to the gospel the way we thought they ought to, the results is up to God. My job's to teach. Yeah. All right, somebody's misused me. The punishment's up to God. It's not my job to punish. So I need to realize my place in the grand scheme of things. And let God do what he said he'd do and me do what he's told me to do and everything will work out just fine. I think you're right. And then Jeff says, uh, take care of yourself physically, mentally. Uh, uh, so I think, you know, I think when we physically not feeling well, it can, mm-hmm. it can cause us to be down spiritually too. And I think that's a good point. And then he says, uh, most of all, keep studying God's word, have a healthy prayer life, take time to pray whenever you can prayer is our other offensive weapon in the whole armor of god against satan ephesians 6 verse 18 i think those are good suggestions jeff we appreciate you for sending those suggestions to us i want to end with one passage monty from second corinthians chapter 8 paul wrote to the church at corinth uh they had committed to making a, a contribution to needy saints in judea And he's urging them to follow through and finish up with what they promised that they were going to do. Uh, I'm just going to read part of this. But in 2 Corinthians 8, beginning verse 10, he said, It is best for you now to complete what a year ago you began. And then he says in verse 12, So that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it. Uh, So basically, Paul was telling them, "You, you were excited about doing this a year ago. It's time to finish what you got started. Complete it. Yeah. Follow through. Finish it. You know, that, that's important in a lot of things that we do in life is having good follow through. A lot yeah. of physical endeavors require that. Well, spiritually, it requires that, too. We've started a work. All right, we need to continue on in that work and follow through. That gets back to the scripture we read about in Philippians 3 a while ago where Paul said he didn't account himself to have apprehended, but he pressed toward the mark of the prize for the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. He was following through. He said, I've done a lot of good work. But I'm not done yet. I haven't, as long as I'm on this earth, I haven't obtained the prize yet. So I've got to continue on. I've got to follow through. I've got to finish what I started. 
exactly right. All right. I think it's a worthy discussion. It, again, it's not one of our hot button topics, uh, but I think it is something that all of us as Christians need to think about because as we said at the very outset, Monty, any Christian who says he's never had a, a, a hit a low point in his service to God, probably not being realistic. Either that is not being honest. We go up and down. We want to stay at a level plane and we want to be increasing and not decreasing in our service to God. We've got to stay motivated. So hopefully something we've said has been helpful to us all as we study together tonight through the scriptures. Uh, uh, one last comment in the chat room. Mike, Mike J says, I would say that we need to keep things in perspective and understand that this physical life isn't all there is. If we focus on everything that goes wrong in this life, then it's easy to lose our motivation. Heaven is our ultimate goal. I think that's exactly right. Keep your eye on the goal. Kyle, thanks for being here tonight and helping us on the board. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What if I could uh, say that again? Now I got you. It's always good to be here. All right. Great. Great. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks for being here. Thank you all out there for listening to the virtual Bible study. We appreciate our live listeners. Also, all those who listen in archives. Thanks for being out there and helping and participating with the virtual Bible study. Uh, Lord willing, we'll be back with you next Thursday night for another episode. Until that time, keep studying your Bible, read it, live it. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.